Now, back to the Ottawa Senators pregame show with TSN 1200's NHL Insider for Bean Chevrolet Buick GMC. Welcome back to the Ottawa Senators pregame show. It is now time for the NHL Insider Report with TSN's Dave Poulin. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you doing this evening? Well, I'm rested. It was a busy day yesterday, but it was, uh, it was a fun day, a long day, and a lot going on. But I'm rested up, and I'm actually sitting watching hockey this afternoon, looking forward to a little more hockey tonight. How was uh, let, Let's just start quickly there. How, how was your day? I, I think you guys probably didn't anticipate it would be insane uh, just based on uh, the lead-up to it. But uh, how was the day with the crew? It is so much fun, Graham, because you don't get to see those guys. I mean, you know, people assume we all see each other all the time, but we all work opposite schedules. Uh, you know well in Ottawa, if you've got Mike Johnson, you don't have me, and if you have me, you don't have Mike Johnson, so it means we don't see each other very much. <laughs> but it was great to see everybody, and we knew, I mean, we sensed going in, the guys have a pretty good feel for that, our insiders, and, and they sensed that it was going to be slow, but there was so much to talk about, and there were so many impactful things that had been done and, of course, we hadn't all been together in the same place to digest and to analyze. And, you know, in some of the situations, you'd had a few weeks to analyze, you know, maybe a Tarasenko trade and no time to analyze the Patrick Kane trade. And so, but it was a fun day. And, you you know, now it's digesting who's getting better. I'm just watching Dallas this afternoon. It looks really good and didn't do a whole lot, but just fine-tuned. And some of the teams that did more are going to take a little bit of time. You know, it's much easier to assimilate one person into your lineup than it is, you know, four or five or whatever that might be. And it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to watch. I think there's some great races going on, and I think it's buckle up time. All right, let's uh, be, we'll, we'll go to the sense now, and uh, let's start with Derek Broussard. He played his thousandth game uh, Thursday against uh, the Rangers, a team that he enjoyed his, his most success with in the NHL. Uh, very special place, Madison Square Garden. He returns home to his hometown tonight, and he'll be honored in front of uh, obviously his hometown friends and family, but also the team uh, that he broke into the league with, was drafted, and uh, started his career with. How special is this milestone, and, and how nicely it sets up for Derek Broussard? Very nice coordination of the events you know, as they are. I mean, a lot of time and effort goes into people putting these types of things together and to be able to go back to back, you know, combine three teams, combine Ottawa, the Rangers and Columbus in, in a couple of nights. I think it makes it pretty special for the player, but just hats off to Derek Broussard. A thousand games is more than remarkable. And because we've seen a few of them lately, we might take it a little bit for granted, but, you know, I played, I was very fortunate. I played, parts of 13 seasons and played a little over 700 regular season games, another 130 in the playoffs. Nowhere near a thousand. And to be able to do it and have the perseverance to do it and the support to do it and the understanding that it's not always going to be smooth. You know, this was a first round pick, you know, to Columbus overall, and he's had his ups and downs through his career and played for good teams and bad teams, had nice playoff runs and, you just look at the perseverance to keep going and then the opportunity to come home essentially to the Ottawa area and, and earn the opportunity to play. He wasn't handed the opportunity to yeah. play. He earned the opportunity to play. And, you know, it's probably pretty nice for him to be finishing on such an upswing with such an energetic, young, lively team and to be a significant part of it as well. And, you know, big goal brass. I mean, you don't know what he's going to do down the stretch here or what he's, 
what he's got ahead of him still in a Senator's uniform. Jake Chikrin, meanwhile, will make his home debut, and it's uh, it's a special building to him. He'll have lots of friends and family uh, in attendance tonight. Um, I, I've been really impressed listening to him speak uh, since uh, being acquired uh, by the Senators, and it, it really seems like uh, this is this place holds a special place in, in his heart to him, and uh, and he's ready to compete with this team uh, in the coming years and, and down the stretch here. It certainly sounds like it. The young man handles himself very well. That's not a surprise at all. I've known his dad, you know, for a long time. I played with Jeff in Philadelphia when he was a young player coming in, probably well younger than what Jacob is right now. And so when you have a connection like that, you follow a player differently. And, that, you know, I mean, I think he first came on my radar maybe at 15 years old when he was skating up in Detroit with the U-15s or, or you know, somewhere along those lines. And you follow it differently. And it's not a surprise of the way he handles himself. And, you know, you watch these kids come in who were very fortunate to have grown up in a family that understands the game and, and was a part of the game, you know, Jake Sanderson or, a, you know, Drake Bafson or, a, or a J- a Jacob Chikrin. And his play is going to speak for itself. And that's coming off a pretty long layoff when you combine the number of games he sat out and you, you factor in the all-star break was just before that. So he'd been a pretty good stretch without playing and may take a little bit of time. But I think in a strange way, you know, I was asked again today by somebody just socially um, why they would trade him. And, you know, let's factor in when the trade conversation started that they were going to move Jacob Chikrin. It was a year and a half ago. It was 18 months ago. So they were trading a player who had three and a half years left on his contract. And so my best guess is at that time they decided they were moving away from all term. Well, the term happens to be attached to a now 24-year-old player and, you know, you'd like to say if they reset the clock now, they'd say, okay, you've got two years left on Jacob Chick when he's 24. Are you moving him? And they'd say not a chance, but they almost put themselves behind the place where they had to move because it had been going on for so long. And I think he's joining the Senators at a much better time than he would have, you know, a year and a half ago. And the team is more settled. Um, you know, Jake Sanderson is a part of the D. Zub is a big part of the D. If you think if he had to come in a year and a half ago, he might have been, you know, forced into a number two role. Now he's comfortable. He's got more guys around him, much better forwards to play with, forwards who are further along in their career, and a team that's on a serious upswing. So it's strange how fate plays out, but this may be a better time for Jacob Chikrin to become an Ottawa senator. So Thursday night, he played with uh, Nick Holden, and, and part of that thinking was just to, easy to put him with the veteran who's comfortable playing his offside and, and just uh, a good communicator on the ice to to enter Jake into the lineup with. It looks like he'll play with Brandstrom tonight, and DJ said once they go on the trip and get some practices and reps under his belt, uh, he'll, he'll jump into uh, a top-four role. Where, where do you think he best will fit and slot on this blue line, whether it's, it's the left side or the right, and, and with who do you think would be ideal? Well, I think you've got the beauty of time on your side to see how it fits. and It's a really hard one because you don't know the nuances of a player and how they fit with another player until they play together. And, you know, I played with a couple of arguably through, through the 80s you know, two of the best, the absolute best left shot defensemen to play the right side. And one was Hall of Famer um, Ray Bork, who we need not say more. 
And he loved playing the right side. He loved pulling the puck off the boards on his backhand, pulling it across. He loved walking into the center of the ice on his forehand. He liked even, you know, up ice playing in a defensive mode. And so, you know, the second one was the dearly departed Brad McCrimmon who played with Mark Howe. And, and Brad was the same way. He loved playing the offside. And so, you know, I think that you don't really know until you put a player there and you put a player there with the partner that he's going to play with to know how that'll feel out. So I really, I think they have some excellent choices. You, you know, they arguably have this three or, or include Bramstrom in this conversation of guys that can swing over to the right, but certainly Shabbat has at times flipped over there and, and Sanderson has, and, and they do at various points, you know, throughout their career, they've done it, but I think you'll have to play them with the specific person you're going to, who's going to play the left side to really know and understand it. Dave, this, the Sens come in uh, on a roll as they continue to try to catch the teams ahead of them, although it's it's real tough, and you saw that on the Uttertown scoreboard uh, this afternoon already. They didn't get a lot of help, uh, any help so far. Uh, but I, I've been really impressed with the, the Stutzla, Kachuk, Giroux line and just everything that each guy on that line brings. Uh, what, what's impressed you about uh, that trio that's uh, really helped carry this this team since a tough start in November? Think about putting a line together, Graham, and think about, you know, you wrote down, say you got in front of the whiteboard and you wrote down all the components of a line, what you would like. And and then you start checking off the boxes. And you'd have, you know, the young, skilled centerman who, you know, can dominate, can dictate play, can drive play from the center position. And that's a Timmy Stutzla, but who's not just a passer, who's a scorer as well. Um, you'd have the big power forward who commands and demands attention, who goes hard to the net, who can handle any wrap around the boards, who physically can stand up to anybody in the league at any point, and that's Brady Kachuk. And then, you know, how would you complement the line? You'd probably say, well, can we get a veteran who, you know, is, is really savvy and who's having one of the best years of his career at age 35, has seen everything, can calm things down or rev things up, as need be, and that's Claude Giroux this year. So it's really a line that you know that you would dream of being able to put together. And I am continually impressed with the play of Claude Giroux. You know, I, I worked through his thousands game in Philadelphia, and and you know watched him come home for the first time in Philadelphia, and and had a chance to chat with him briefly about that. And, you know, he's been through a lot, just the change. And the change in Florida almost doesn't count last year. This is the change from a Philadelphia Flyer to an Ottawa Senator. And he's handled it so well. But is there a matchup challenge because of the components I talked about? Uh, moving on to a couple of um, league-wide stuff. I guess we'll start with the Jackets. They, their last overall um, Johnny Hockey, of course, his first season in Columbus. Uh, there are some nice pieces uh such as Kent Johnson, but where would you assess where they're at at their stage of their rebuild right now? Well, I think they're very close to the bottom and the bottom probably was accelerated with the injuries they have. I mean, you can't lose guys like Zach Wierenski for the year and Jacob Voracek, who's now gone, was still a very serviceable player, but, you know, just on the defense, Boquist, uh, Jake Bean, Wierenski, all gone for significant portions of the season. And, you know, we did a game in there one night, I believe it was with Montreal. They, I, I think they had 10 regulars out of the lineup. And so that's accelerated their drop to the bottom. I do think they're at the bottom now, but they have some nice pieces. And you can see it starting to form. 
Obviously, they're in the Bedard situation, and and what would that do to a team? But you know, that's a, this is a dangerous game tonight, and they're four two and two in their last eight games, and they've beaten some good teams. They beat a good Winnipeg team. They beat Dallas, who's you know a strong team right now. They beat Edmonton, and and they beat Buffalo in Buffalo. So they're to be reckoned with, and you know certainly. Ottawa's on a nice little roll and you talk about scoreboard watching and you're watching and laughing and saying, you know, you're not getting much help this afternoon. What do you think teams are saying when they look at the Ottawa score every night? Um, you know, that, that's, that's what you want. You want teams to be looking at where you're doing on the scoreboard. You don't want to be worried about what anybody else is doing. And uh, I just wanted to maybe put some closing thoughts on the, the trade deadline, not necessarily yesterday, um, but leading up to it. So many contenders loaded up, uh, a couple of teams uh, fighting for wildcard spots really loaded up. Uh, what impressed you the most uh, out of all the, uh, the big moves that we've seen? I think the willingness to make them. I think the willingness to step out and make moves. And, you know, granted, everyone's looking out of the corner of their eye at the Boston Bruins, but you know, these are some of the best versions of these teams that we've seen. Like, this is arguably the best Toronto team in the last number of years. This is this is certainly the best New Jersey team. Um, you know, this is maybe the best version of the Rangers. And this is a, a terrific version of Carolina. So they didn't back off when Boston stepped out and made the Orlov move. Um, you know, they're dealing with a team that has 100 and what do they have 103 points now with their win this afternoon and they're the willingness to go for it. And also the willingness Graham to figure out how to get it done. And I think they got to a new layer of how best I use the word manipulate. You might more tactfully use the word handle the salary cap, but they're figuring out, you know, how to get the best out of it, how to double move guys to absorb money. So I, I, I just think the overall, ability to make as many moves as they did and the willingness to do it is what impressed me. Right on, Pooley. Uh, always appreciate your time and insight. Thanks for joining us this evening and, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Fun building tonight in Ottawa. Enjoy it, Creech. No kidding. Thank you. Uh, there goes TSN NHL insider Dave Poolin. We'll take a break. Simmers ready to rock on a Saturday night, celebrating lots of uh, big items at Canadian Tire Centre this evening. We'll do that next as the Sense pregame show continues on the TSN 1200 Ottawa Senators Radio Network.